From the San Bernardino Police Department, I'm Michelle Mahan. And I'm Jose Castro, and this is The Briefing Room. Well, welcome back, everyone, to today's episode. Yes, yes, welcome back. Today, we are going to talk about raves. Oh, yeah. The good. The bad. And the ugly. Yes. And we've seen it all. We've worked several raves yes. in our party, tenure. Party. Yeah. Now, this was a somewhat, uh, somewhat timely episode uh, for our citizens. You know, in 2020, there were no concerts, no shows, no gatherings, no fun at all. No. Corona put the kibosh. We were under the Corona kibosh. But 2021, everything is back and with a vengeance. Yes. In fact, we just had an impromptu show a few weeks ago at the National Orange Show. And uh, Michelle, you worked that show. Yes. How did it go? It was, it was smooth first, like real full rave. Yeah, that was the rave. first. And it was, uh, what was the attendance? 20? It was the day trip rave. And yeah. the first day they had just under 20,000. Okay. And the second day they had a little over 16,000. So it was a baby rave. Any but issues? No, everybody was super cool. Happy to be Very out, chill. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, a couple minor things, but the reality is it was all under control Everybody, everybody, for the most part, conducted themselves very well. Um, and so it was a very, it was a very good event. Happy very to smooth. be free again. Yes. Everybody was very happy to be out. Very thankful to be able to come to San Bernardino and have a rave. They, they missed them. So oh, very good. they're very, very good. glad for them. Yeah. Well, before we talk about the upcoming shows, let's talk a little bit about the history, the elephant in the room, if you will. Yes. They did get a bad rap. They have for some onset. time. Yeah. You know, raves have been around since the sixties, but they didn't really grow into mainstream until the mid, mm. mid to late eighties. Okay. You know, and back then they were underground electronic dance music shows, EDM, yes. which is what we still call them, refer mm -hmm. to them as. Uh, but those shows were in England and, and those actually spread across Europe, then came to the U.S., but mostly to the big metro cities, you know, Chicago, yes. New York, L.A. Yeah. And that yep. continued to be the case. Mm -hmm. And that continued in, into the 90s. And in the U.S., the shows were mostly, you know, those, quote, underground yes. shows, the ones that are in, in they were kind of like, yeah, like little pop-ups. They were kind of almost big trespassing events. Exactly. Too. Warehouses, mm -hmm. basements. Yes. Uh, you know, sometimes, and out here we have, we have big open expanses of desert. Right. And some of these evolved into like Burning Man, I think is kind of that, that kind of a, now. Correct. Yeah. And you know, because of that kind of pop-up nature, it was, there, there wasn't anybody actually coordinating it yeah, in any was, sensible way. There was promotion through word of mouth because there was no social yeah. media or podcasts. Yeah. A DJ, dancers, some ice chests. Here and, you go. And there was some drug use. Sure. You know, yes. some, you know mostly acid and uh, MDMA ecstasy. That yes. A little bit of ketamine. And that was usually to enhance the lights and the sounds and all that. Right. And that's... Pretty much that and the fact that they were underground shows mm -hmm. were where the rave connotation got its bad rap. Right, right. But they're not underground anymore. No, everything evolves. Yes. People grow up. Right. And safety, you know, liability and safety concerns right. need to be addressed. Right. So they're no longer underground. No. In, in fact, the current promoters care about their image and the success of the event. Right. future events. Well, they're making money, right? This yeah. is their livelihood. Yep. They've got entertainers coming in that they have to pay. They're going to collect admission fees and whatnot. And so anybody wants their livelihood to continue. And so the rave promoters are no different. 
they want you to come have a good experience and not, um, you know, not experience anything negative. Be safe. Right. And so if they don't make a good, safe event, you're probably not going to come back. So they're very concerned about public safety, uh, how best to get people in and out with the least trauma to the local community, to the actual rave attendees. So, um, you know, they're really refining their program and they put on a pretty professional operation. The promoters will spend months in advance coordinating with local agencies for their presence at the raves. Right. You know, and it's not only the police department, it's fire department, paramedics, medical staff. Yes. They have a world-class medical tent Mm -hmm. where they're, you know, if there's any issues that arise, yeah, they're there to professionally trained staff on site. And that was one of the things that was a feature of the historical raves Yeah, because they didn't have any kind of professional organization. uh, It was a pop-up type issue when people would show up and they would get drunk or they would get high. They didn't have anybody there to take care of their medical needs. And it's not that the promoters are endorsing drug use at all. Yeah. We're not being naive. No, drugs not are at still all. used. And a lot of times too, if it was happening during daytime, there were dehydration issues, but sun that's, exposure. That's the bigger issue now. Yeah. yeah. And so the medical tents presence at a rave is a huge, huge advancement. And I think that's a big safety advancement for them because now Somebody gets blisters. They go over to the medical tent and they hook them up with some band-aids. Somebody gets chapped lips, go over to the medical tent. Sunscreen. They're giving them all that. Yeah. Water's free. Yeah. They're not gouging for water. Right. And not only that, they have people that go around, at least last rave we had, the day trip event, they had people going around with water bottles that were part of the staff, Uh just kind of spraying down the crowd who agreed to be sprayed. And they got me. And I was okay with it. (laughs) Just please avoid the radio and the body worn camera, but they got me and it felt good. And I appreciated that they were there trying to make sure that the attendees were not getting overheated. So they had misters. I know that they had misters and huge fans. Yeah. Yeah, They'll bring in shade. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of things they do to make sure that you don't have any kind of a medical issue. Now we do ask attendees, you know, please be responsible. And that's something that the rave culture has become. It's become that of acceptance and they've actually moderated themselves on on the drug use. Yes. You know, you, you hear the term plur a Mm -hmm. lot, you see it everywhere and and Mm -hmm. plur, peace, love, unity, and respect is often echoed by the kids. And I, I call them that because they're so much younger than I am. Yes. The kids that come to these events and there's actually a plur handshake and there's, yes. there's a whole culture of this peace, love, unity, and respect. And you know, there, what isn't to like about it's kind of like modern respecting others. Right? Yeah. A little like a modern hippie kind of a, an attitude yeah. like just, Hey, come one, come all dress how you want. Yeah. You know, regardless of what your personal beliefs are, your professional uh, life is like, you're all welcome there. And I say that because you would think ravers and police officers could not get along. Like we would be a little antagonistic, maybe cats and dogs. Yeah. But when we go to raves, we go in there and we do foot patrol. And I'll tell you what, it's like paparazzi. It's surprising though. They want to take pictures with us. And, um, you know, it's nice to have that kind of interaction where people, they want to be seen with the police. So I not even accepting just of their own, uh, attendees and, and everybody's differences there, but very accepting of the law enforcement presence. And, uh, I, I have to say, I appreciate that. We definitely do. Yeah, I totally, you know, I've been working these events since I was on a motorcycle 
mm-hmm. you know, 15 years ago and and they've grown in size. Yes. They've grown in, in structure. Definitely bigger. Yeah. Oh yeah. And they've just gotten more organized as they've gone along. Right. And uh, totally a testament to, to the promoters that are making sure that these events are successful and continue to, to be that way. Yes. And I think the cooperation from the local agencies, whether it's the fire department, paramedics, police department, you know, things like that. And I would say also that there's, you know, the business community supporting that as well uh, and dealing with uh, what comes along with the raves, the benefits of it, you yeah. know, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, the raves also... I, it's a kind of a chance for a lot of people to get out and do something a little bit different. So not all of us are having concerts in our backyard. So it's a nice, a nice experience there, True, but there's, you know, there's different things to entertain you. Like at the last rave, there was a drone show that could be seen from quite a ways away. Now the last rave was during 4th of July. Yes. But obviously that, well, you know, they're not going to have a a fireworks show, but I heard that they had some sort of yeah. Choreographed drone thing. Yeah. It was pretty cool. <laughs> Everybody, it was a stop and watch it kind of thing. The oh, music's cool. playing in the background. You know, they have things, they had a Ferris wheel, there's food trucks, there's food booths. Um, you know, there's, there, there's even a, a variety of alcoholic beverages potentially available, non-alcoholic beverages. There's a little something for everybody. You, you know, I've noticed a, an influx of non-alcoholic yes. uh, cocktails. Yes. Quite, that's becoming more and more in vogue mm-hmm. to mocktails, as they call them. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to drink something blue out of a glass, nobody knows what it is yeah. other than it's blue. And that, that speaks to that moderation. Right. Yeah. Right. So, and you know, there, do some people overdo it? Sure. Yeah. And that's actually where the medical facility actually gets involved is, you know, maybe somebody gets their drink on a little early yeah. in the event. Some people like to pregame. So they're drinking, they show up a little bit lit. So turnt. Yeah, turnt. So these are those things that, you know, kind of, you know, people can kind of get themselves in a little bit of trouble. So, you know, but that's regardless of the type of music. People do that at the river. People do that at baseball games. Yes. You know, it could be a country concert. It could be a rap concert. It could be a heavy metal concert. Going out to a nightclub. People do that stuff. So, you know, I have to say that, you know, people are a little bit more moderate though. And I think that comes in part because the attitude of the rave promoters is, Hey, let's do it right. Let's be cautious. Let's have medical stuff. So there is some concern from them. And I think the public kind of picks up what they're putting down there. Totally. With, hey, come out and have a good time, but let's not destroy ourselves hey, 50, doing this. 50 years ago, there were naysayers uh, about Woodstock. Yes. And now you look at it and you say, oh, Woodstock was a life-changing event. Right. And, and you could lump these 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 concerts into that same sort of category. Yeah, absolutely. There are huge experiences. Uh, kids go there in groups. Again, I'm picking up the same thing, calling them kids just because they're younger than me. <laughs> but they go in big groups, you know, they get hotel rooms, you know, things like that. So it's, you know, think back to your road trip with yeah, your college friends exactly. or your young friends and those same memories, this is how they're making them now. Exactly. You know what? Getting lost, going to a yes. rave, that creates maturity. Yeah. Talking to... You know, a, losing your wallet at a rave. Yeah. Or, you know, you misplace it or something. Talking to the cab driver who dropped you off yes. and, you know, somebody new that you never met yeah. or catching a cab with, you know, somebody else, you know, obviously it's Uber, Lyft, now whatever yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of experiences meeting new people and, and whatnot. So there's, there's a lot to them. It's, it's more than just music. Well, from July through the end of this year, there's plenty of opportunity to make these experiences. Yes. In fact, there's eight shows. Yeah. There's eight shows planned at the orange show. 
Right. Most of them are multi-day shows. Yep. And of those eight, five are larger than 80,000 80, per person in attendance. That's huge. huge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When you look at a city, what were roughly 215,000 people. Yep. So 80,000 attendees only. That doesn't count. That's minimum of these big ones. Some, right. some of them are in the hundreds. Because then they sell at the door. Yeah. So we have the rave attendees, but then there's the support staff because these don't yes, go off with point. two or three people running it. Good point. There's a huge there's number of people security, that come in. Mm-hmm. There's the traffic control. There's yeah. the, the police. Yeah. There's fire. There's medical staff. Then there's the actual promoter staff. Right. There's the ground crew. There's yeah. the technical staff, the gaffers, the... The roadies, I guess you could call them. And they come from all over the country and in some places all over the world. There's, um, I know at the last rave, uh, somebody was telling me about a sound guy who actually comes from the United Kingdom and he can tell you all about sound, you know, and, and how it moves through our valley here. But it's not even just the people who come to support the rave. Think about the businesses nearby. And, you know, if you have a restaurant and you know that there's going to be a lot of customers that night you're probably going to have extra staff on hand to make sure you have prompt service. And we let them know beforehand. We, yes. we go to the, we have our district resource teams go down mm-hmm. to the the East Street Corridor, the Mill Street Corridor, the area yeah. around the Orange Show and, and let them know, hey, we're having a rave. Right. And they make plans accordingly. They, right. They kind of limit, some, some of them will limit their menus so that they can provide fewer options, but quicker options. Right. Some of them will just stock up on everything, like you said. Yep. But uh, they make do. The gas, the gas uh, station stations will all make top sure off that the they tanks. have for full, full tanks. Yep. yep. Fill your shelves up with chips and sodas. But we get the citizen concerns and citizen mm-hmm. concerns are police concerns. Yeah. That's just the nature of how it is. Right. So some people love them and some people are worried about them. Yeah. There's always going to be, no matter what it is, there's always going to be somebody who doesn't like it and right. naysays. But right. the biggest issue that I hear is the traffic issue. Yeah. And obviously when you're trying to get 80,000 plus people, it's not that many cars, but it's still a large volume of cars. If you try to get that many cars into a a venue in, in, it's going to get complicated. Oh yeah. But for those big events, we have large scale traffic plans that are in place. Right. And those are run through our traffic unit. Right. So our motor officers, our, our traffic sergeant is in charge of the traffic plan. And that traffic plan, Includes social media blasts. Yes. Uh, digital signs on the freeway yep. to tell, you know, people that are coming to, yeah. to take certain exits that are less congested. Yeah. Uh, and then the boots on the ground, the officers conducting traffic right. control on city streets. That's the most important thing. That's some great exercise if you're an officer waving your arms around. Yeah, you, That's wave, an your, arm yeah, you wave your arm in one direction for eight hours and then yeah. you flip them around and wave them and in the, the other, other, other direction yes. for another eight hours. Yes, a lot of reps there. <laughs> so... Yeah. And, you know, sometimes the traffic, you know, will, will, it might get a little bit backed up onto the freeway. Um, you know, and so we encourage people definitely pay attention to the signs, but don't forget about your good friend, Google or Apple maps or whatever mapping system you have several different. Yeah. And definitely check that out. And, you know, if you're coming from another direction, there's nothing that says that you have to all come from the same direction. You might be able to avoid some of that traffic or get through it in a lighter, uh, if you pick a path, you know, have a little bit of a lighter yeah. traffic. Specifically, uh, specifically, we hear complaints from business owners and yes. also customers trying to go to businesses that are in the orange show affected area. Right. And they to, want their customers to be able to get there. And to those people, we, we tell them, look, when you get to the officer, 
let them know that you're trying to get to mm-hmm. a specific business. Absolutely. The officer that do traffic control know to be flexible. Right. For the most part, they're going to, you know, have traffic flow in a certain direction. But if you are sincerely yes. trying to get to a business, I, we let our officers know, hey, break let the cone in. pattern, let them in. Yeah. And now... Be patient though, because when we're dealing with that volume of cars, it's not going to be an instant, everybody stop, you can make your left turn. Please be patient. You know, wait where they ask you or go. They might actually tell you, hey, take another route. There's another route in that we've created for that. So please listen to what they tell you. And I will say from a police officer's perspective, traffic control is not always fun. No. I've had my boots run over. Um you know, there, there've been some serious near misses. We've had officers struck before. Yes. We just, we did recently have an officer struck doing traffic control. Thank goodness. He's going to be okay. So it is a dicey prospect. And so if you encounter an officer that's getting a little stressy, just remember they've probably nearly been hit by a car a couple of times. So have have a little patience and we will ask them to also be patient. You know, in briefing, you. we'll just, we'll just assign them a little extra patience for them. Right. Yeah. Here's your patience. <laughs> so, but just, you know, try to bear with it. You know, everybody's bearing with it. And especially in the summertime, it gets a little bit hot in the wintertime. It gets a little bit cold. This is Southern California. So yeah, we're not just, super fond of our cold. When I think about it, these next few raves are going to be in the heat of the summer. Yes. hundred plus degrees, humid. But, yeah. the, but the tail end of these raves are going to be in 25 degrees. I've worked one where oh, it was yeah. pouring, freezing rain. It wasn't quite cold enough to be snow, but it was freezing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to run the gamut. So yeah, yeah. be a little patient. And, and just to, we're always trying to share a little bit of the police officer's perspective on things too. So I want you all to imagine this. You've got your vest on, a heavy belt on around your waist. It's cinched up against you and it's hot. It's, you know, up in the nineties. And so you've got your little white t-shirt on under your vest and it's soaking up your sweat and, you know, it's hanging out there. It doesn't exactly, yeah, yeah, it doesn't exactly dry out as the day goes on. So you're here in your nice sweaty t-shirt, maybe your waistline of your pants is getting a little sweaty. (laughs) The, you know, you've been on your feet. Don't forget your Dr. Scholl's shoe inserts, you know? And so, uh, it's, it's a workout for us. Seriously, being on your feet all day, you know, you're, you're sweaty, you're hot. Um, there've been times in the summer where I'm like, please don't stand near me. You don't need to smell me in my sweat. (laughs) I got shirts from 10 years ago that I'm still waiting to dry out uh, (laughs) because that's how sweaty, that's how sweaty they got. Yeah. And your vest, you know, that's when you'll see vests hanging outside of lockers so that day two of the rave, you're not putting on a wet vest. And then the opposite of that is fast forward to November, December, right. where I've worn uh, a waterproof jacket Yes, that after eight hours of being in the rain was no longer very waterproof. Right. I had to throw on a trash bag under my jacket yes. to prevent the water from getting through to my uniform. Yes. And so, even that, I mean... <laughs> so we have to wear these traffic control vests, right? Yeah. So when we're out there, but... The traffic control vest is not waterproof either. So you have your jacket on, your your rain jacket. And if you don't have a rain dra- jacket, you do what Ooh, you can. Yeah. Everybody has their limits. Yeah. And soaked is one of them for me. <laughs> so in addition to the traffic, there's noise. Yeah. And that comes with the territory. Look, this mm-hmm. is a concert for hundreds, uh, 100,000 people, plus or minus, right? Right. It's going to, you know, be bumping. They want to feel it, yeah. you know? 
And you really do feel it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, Jose, how many times, you know, we kind of trade around assignments, right? So you uh-huh. might get assigned near the stage and you, you might be walking around the venue. We, we kind of try to change it up. And you get near the stage and I have felt my trauma plate in my vest vibrating, <laughs> my handcuffs vibrating in my handcuff holder, holder on my belt. And it's like, it's just rattling your bones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's if you open your mouth just right, it'll make your throat vibrate too. <laughs> like if it's, it's just yeah. weird, like the dynamics of sound. Yeah. And so we're all wearing our little foam ear things, you know, trying not to, to, um, you know, get too crazy. Cause it, it is a little bit yeah. loud. Oh yeah. But the promoters understand that that's actually one of the complaints that we get from the surrounding areas yep. and fact, they oh, do stuff about that. In fact, over the summer they had the, uh, park and raves. And and those were a series of raves where because of uh, COVID and social distancing, everybody was confined to a little area outside of their car. A little corral, a dance corral. Yeah, it was a little, yeah, exactly. It was a park and then you had a little corral and that was your space to dance with your people. And because they were able to have the show same time week after week, they were able to get some data and and remove the variable of, you know, different times of the year because they were all within weeks of each other. And they noticed that if there was wind seven miles per hour or greater in any direction, and usually our wind blows a little like northeast-ish. Yeah. But if there was wind that was seven miles per hour or greater, there were no noise complaints because the wind kind of dissipated the noise. That makes sense. But if there was no wind, that's when they got the noise complaints. here in the valley kind of echoing around. But what they did to mitigate that was they actually put these large, like these industrial fans along the perimeter of the rave. Which... Sounds so crazy. Weird. But if wind makes the sound kind of change. And they would, they would, they pointed them straight up to kind of make like a curtain of air. And that actually mitigated noise. And so they're going to be playing with these sorts of techniques to try to make it as uh, stress-free as as possible for everyone. So it sounds crazy, right? But for anybody who's ever slept for graveyard shift and had your family walking in and out of the house, slamming the garage door, clinking dishes, uh, a fan is your sleeper's friend. Yeah. White noise. I have, I, I'm telling you, it's like a home Depot fan in my bedroom for when I'm, when I have to work overnight and it is a lifesaver and it means the difference between sleeping through the day and not. So I, I think that this is, a simple fix that might actually really, really be effective. And so we're, we're going to continue on with the experimenting and I know the promoters are as well. So they really are doing everything they can. And again, think back to anybody who's ever worked graveyard. If you, if you've had a fan or some kind of white noise sound, I think we all see the potential for this to be a really good technique. Totally. And another concern that people have is, Hey, you're supplying all these cops taxpayer expense. They think that they think, but all these events all the police that are assigned to the venue are actually paid for by the promoter. Yeah. It's not coming out of the taxpayer's pocket. So I know a lot of people really talk about policing. You know, these are policing is paid for by taxpayer dollars. Absolutely right. But when a rave comes to town or a big event comes to town. Pre-planned. Yeah. We actually have to discuss with them how many officers it's appropriate to have there. Because the whole purpose for the officers being there is public safety. So whatever, whatever mission we need to accomplish public safety wise, we're there to, to help handle that. But they recognize that they are creating a little bit of a drain on our services. So 
They don't impact our actual patrol staffing. We do not reduce our patrol staffing. That stays the same, but they pay for our officers to be there in an overtime capacity. So some raves, it's it turns into a pretty big oh, all yeah. hands on deck event. Totally. But it is not coming out of the taxpayers' pockets. It is 100% coming out of the promoters' pockets. So that's that's a positive for the public. But let's look at it from the practical sense. Again, it's good for the city. In mm-hmm. general, it's good for the city. Gas stations sell out of gas. Yes. Restaurants sell out of food. Yes. Hotels run out of rooms. Right. Rideshare employees are slammed with rides. Right. All day. Right. And all of this benefits the city. Right. Through, through sales like tax. Measure S, yeah. Yeah. Transient, transient occupancy tax for the hotels. Uh, Measure S, for those of you who don't know, is a recently passed sales tax initiative here in the San Bernardino uh, city area. And every sale that we have here in the city that's taxable is going back into the city and then it gets put back into city services to help our local economy and local residents. So you, you know, you, you can look at it with, it actually is a, a ultimately a revenue generator be a boon, because yeah. it, it creates a little spike in those taxes for us. But for more information, you know, like specific dates, traffic updates, right. Noise complaint, hotline information, follow yes. us on social media. Yes, absolutely. All of that's posted there. Yes. And on the noise complaint hotline, I want to tell you all that the promoter is so serious about making sure that these issues are handled for the surrounding areas. I am aware that they have actually gone out to some locations, measured the sound, and have actually made adjustments to the sound from the stages sometimes to to help in mitigate real, in this. In real time. In real time. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, not even just on sound. The promoters are so responsive to public safety needs and their requests of the community. I'm going to give you another quick example of just their, their mindset. Uh, I know at a rave in the past, one of the servers at a bar was overpouring. He wasn't properly measuring, so there was concern that he was overpouring. They yanked him out of the bar right away. He was fired that day, not allowed to serve anymore. So they're very safety conscious. They're very conscious of the community around them. So, you know, things are changing. You know, yeah, we did some uh, we did some undercover operations at the park and raves and mm-hmm. it was specifically to see if anybody was giving underaged drinkers, you know, handing off drinks. Yeah. None. And it was because okay. and it it was because the the staff was so diligent about checking IDs and checking, yeah. you know, uh, bracelets that showed that you had already been carded before that it was a fruitless effort because they were doing such a right. good job to make to make sure that wasn't happening. Because they want to be able to come back. Oh yeah, totally. And continue earning their living and, you know, so of course, follow the rules, they get to continue on. And for those who are attending, follow the rules so it's a good safe event that exactly. we can continue having. And for everybody listening, follow us on social on media. Social media so that yes. you can either find the detour for the place that you really need to go. Yes. Or find the best way to get parking if you're coming to the event. Right. And you can get your party on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right, Jose, another good episode. I can't wait to see what rave season brings this year. 2021 rave season. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've, I've probably attended in a working capacity about 50 of these raves now. Oh yeah. I've one day I might actually come to one on my own time. We're already going to them, but 
you know, in a work capacity. But, you know, I agree when I retire one day, I think I'm going to dress up like a butterfly and find a rave that my son is working and I'm just going to show up and embarrass the heck out of him. So anyways, thank you all for listening. Yes, thank you very much. Um, for the San Marino PD briefing room, I'm Michelle Mahan. And I'm Jose Castro. And we'll see you next time. Oh,